0: Amen. Amen. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we worship you. We bless your name. What an awesome daddy you are, ever faithful, ever merciful. Thank you for loving us so much and for preparing so much for us today. Certainly, we are all going to be radically transformed in your presence. We shall be careful to return all the praises and glory back unto you. We give you the praise, we give you the glory, the honor, and adoration. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. 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 You all heard it today that our team is a pearl of great price, but my topic is one pearl of great price. One pearl of great price. We're reading from Matthew 13, 45 to 46. Matthew 13, 45 to 46. And it says, again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it when he had found one one pill of great price he went ahead and sold all that he had can you think of that Selling everything. Which means, as far as this man goes, this one pill is enough for him. It satisfies whatever he thinks that he will ever need or want in this life. Otherwise, why will he sell everything? To buy just one pill. We are all likened to that merchant. We are all seeking... Things to help us to have a good life, to have good marriage, to have a good job, to have good health, or whatever you can think of. To have children and to have our children doing well. And whatever will give us the best result, we go for it. But the thing is that when we get a revelation of what the Father has packaged for us in Christ Jesus... We will want everything about us to revolve all around him. We will seek nothing but him. We will want nothing but him. You will not want anything to come between you and him and knowing him intimately. There's a song I used to hear, the man of Calvary is enough for me, and that's absolutely true when you get a revelation of who Jesus is to you. Again, it's important for us to know that God saw us as that one pill of great price. God saw humanity as one pill of great price. We are the only species of his creation that he made after his likeness. And even when sin messed us up, He came after us in the passing of Jesus Christ. He gave us the best that heaven has just to bring us back to himself. The Bible said, he who sins is of the devil, but God came down in the passing of Jesus in 1 John 3, 8b, he says, for this purpose, was the son of God made manifest. Why? That he might destroy the works of the devil that he did on man, that he loved so dearly, that he treasured so highly. He said that Jesus himself came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his purpose of coming. To seek and to save that which was lost. That that the devil messed up. When we yielded to the devil, sin messed man up. But he came after us because he loved us so much. The Bible said it in John 3, 16. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world. That word prize, if you search it out in dictionary, it says treasure or extremely highly valued. That's who you are in the eyes of God. That he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever is an open check, whoever, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you may have done in life, you are man, you are the only species of creation that he created in his own image. Whoever believes and trusts in him as savior, shall not perish, but have eternal life. And the moment you get to know this and you yield to him, he plants you wherever you are as a seed for the nation so that you will begin to tell other people about what he did so that they too will be saved from the hand of the devil. See, the price that you are prepared to give up for anything somehow determines the value that you attach to that thing. And I think some businessmen have learned this trick. They play on us. They can have the same commodity, but put a higher price on one. And the moment anybody comes, this one is $20, this is $5. Though they might look alike, people will naturally go for that one, because they think that that one has a higher value. But it's not always the case. So the quantity and the quality of time you give to Him, to God, to Jesus, to His word determines His worth, the value that you have attached to that. So how valuable is Jesus and His word to you? Measure that by the quantity and the quality of time that you give to him in your thoughts, in your actions in your dealings every day. That will reveal to you whether you have found him as that pearl of great price. So what is your price tag on Jesus? We always find time for the things that are important to us. If God is important to us, you will always find time for him not just on a Sunday, but in your daily dealings, in your daily affairs, he will always rank number one. You will find time for him. Each time we raise our hands in worship like our sister was leading us this morning, you're just simply saying, you are my Lord, I surrender to you, you are my all in all, your will not mine. So long as we are doing it from the heart, not just going with emotion, and we should also allow that to translate into our daily affairs. He is the answer to any problem that you can ever think of. The sooner you find that out, the better for you. As far as I, Dorothy Emmanuel, is concerned, he's that one pearl of great price to me. And I go after him on a daily basis. God has given us the best that heaven has in the passing of Jesus. As far as God is concerned, his price tag on you and I is the blood of his son. And even in the world, the world at large is the blood of his son. The Bible said in Romans 8.32, He said, He who did not spare even his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Look at that line. How will he not also along with him? Which means he gave you Jesus. That's the best that heaven has. Is it marriage? Is it children? Is it money? Is it health that he will now withhold from you? If he gave you the best that heaven has, that shows you how deeply you're loved by him. And the moment you understand this, you will not share back in fear from him. You will embrace him with an with open hands. You will embrace him with everything that you have. The Bible said in 1 John 4:18. He said, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. He said, at the lower part of it, he said, fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. Anyone who is afraid of God, thinking that God will withhold some good from him or her, or maybe hinder him or her from enjoying life, is just simply because you don't know the love of God for you. You need a revelation of God's love for you. I'm talking particularly for those of us who are children of God, that are just putting one leg and then kind of not really fully committed The Bible said that God sent Jesus, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What aspect of saved is difficult to understand? Saved from sin, saved from sickness, saved from poverty, saved from confusion, saved from failure, saved from whatever you can think of. That's the reason Jesus came. So knowing Jesus intimately should be our number one priority in life. The Bible said in Proverbs one verse seven, He said, "The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning and the principal and choice part of knowledge, its starting point and its essence." But fools despise skillful and godly wisdom, instruction, and discipline. Look at that first two lines again. The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning and the principle and choice. The principle, that is the main, the main. The principle is the main and then choice parts of knowledge, which means you might be knowledgeable, You might have that academic excellence. You might be top business uh, tycoon. You might have all the money. You are doing so well. That's awesome. That's knowledge. That's flourishing. But he said, but the beginning and the principle and choice part of all that is the reverence and worshipful fear of the Lord. We used to sing a song that says, be a rich man or a poor man without Jesus, your life is empty. It's not just to give your life to him and make him the Lord. It's to make him the Lord indeed. To to have that reverent and worshipful fear of him because that's the beginning and the principle and choice part of whatever you are in life. So good job, great. Great. But do you have that reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord, setting him as number one priority in your life? We used to sing a song, Jesus, you're my number one. I don't know the full details of it again. But these are beautiful, beautiful songs. But the thing is, now making that as a reality in your daily walk. So look at what Paul said in Philippians 3, 7 to 8, and then 9 to 10. He said, but whatever former things I had that might have been gains to me, I have come to consider as one combined loss for Christ's sake. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the Pray to the possession of the priceless privilege. He counted it as a priceless privilege. Which means, how much money can I use to quantify this? Is it trillion or quadrupillion? No. It's priceless. I can't even have, I don't have any price. It's so high that I can't even name it. The priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness. This surpassing what, and then they say, and supreme advantage, hallelujah, Amen. and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him progressively, progressively till I am called home progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I have lost everything and consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs, in order that I may win, gain Christ the Anointed One. Wow. For my determined purpose is that I may know him. It's my goal. It's my purpose. It's what I'm pursuing in this life until I'm called home. That I may know him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection which he exerts over believers, over you and I. That should be our desire. You want to understand that power that he exerts over us. So that as you lay hands on the sick, they recover. If any issue comes, you're able to stand your ground and take your authority and know who you are in him. Because the power is already in you. That's his determined purpose. And that should be our determined purpose. And he said... uh, which he exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death in the hope. And that's the reason why God puts, give us fivefold ministries in the church to help build us until we come to the full measure, the stature of Jesus Christ. So that as he went about doing good while he was here on earth, the same will be our experiential portion in wherever we, we are. Anywhere we find ourselves, they can say that Jesus is there. So if there's any issue, Jesus is around because we are there. That if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that leads me out from among the dead, even while in the body. Which means, as far as I go, I'm more in tune to heaven, to him, than to the world like my precious daughter was saying this morning you allow God to change the way you think so that you think the way he thinks and then his wisdom becomes your wisdom you deal with issues based on the wisdom of God Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God the spirit of God in the heart of man is something more than gold you can't buy it with money You don't know what you're missing until you are genuinely surrendered to him and prioritize him in life. The world today is in so much confusion because people are seeking joy and fulfillment in things that don't satisfy. That some people try to medicate with food, some medicate with drugs, some medicate with sex, with all manner of things, fame, money. And yet when you get this one, you're desiring to get the other one. So that void is there. Because the only person that can fill that void is God. is Jesus in you. And you can imagine why God the Father said looking away from all that will distract unto Jesus. He's the substance. He's the main deal. He's the real deal. He's my life. Colossians says so. He's our life. Colossians 3, 4. He's our hope of glory. Colossians 1:27. He is the one that I am existing for him, and it's through him that I'm existing. And the same thing goes for you in Hebrews 2:10. And he's our senior brother. So if this is he, what he modeled for us, that's what we should go for. So have the roots of your being in Colossians 2:7, firmly and deeply planted in him, fixed and founded in him. Have the roots. The root is the source from where you receive nutrients. Have your life anchored in him. Have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in him. Fixed and founded in him. Fixed, something that is fixed or movable. Stay there. Christ the rock, the solid rock. Being continually built up in him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith, in your faith in him. Just as you we were taught, and he said, and it there he said, abounding and overflowing in it with thanksgiving, abounding, abounding in abundance and overflowing, let it flow, flood there. That is, you are flooded with Jesus, your life is flooded with Jesus, overflowing in it with thanksgiving. So the search for true fulfillment or satisfaction is impossible apart from Jesus. It is what? Impossible, apart from Jesus. I don't care how much you have. I don't care the fame. You are empty. No joy, no fulfillment. It's impossible without Jesus. Jesus said to the woman at the well that came to her, she said, said Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty. Whether you're drinking the water of wealth, money, or whatever it is. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. But the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water satisfying his thirst for God. Welling up, continually flowing, bubbling within him to eternal life. Jesus is the only one that satisfies. So when you are feeding on Him, you feed it like TPT uh, said it in verse 14, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit flooding you with an t- endless life. It becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit flooding you with endless life. First John 4, 4 said, The greater you have God, you have overcome them. For the greater one lives in you. But we need to know the greater one that lives in us. We need to understand what it means by the Father. The greater one lives in you. He said to Martha in Luke 10, 41, 42. He said, Martha, Martha, You are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things. He said, but one thing. Is necessary. One thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part. That which is to her what? Advantage. advantage. That's also to your own advantage. And they say, which will not be taken away from her? The revelation of Jesus that you have, nobody can take it away from you. You don't get it by just uh, laying on the couch, watching all the movies and doing whatever you want. It comes, by, it comes by ardent seeking and searching the scriptures and fellowshipping like you're here today. So God's word is extremely important to him because God's word is God himself. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God the word became flesh in the passing of jesus so that's why psalm 132 verse 2 says he said for god have exalted above all else say you have exalted above all else your name and your word and you have magnified your word above all your name that's psalm 138 verse 2 he said you have exalted above all else your name And your word, and you have magnified your word above all your name. If God has magnified His word above all His name, it means He's so important to Him because His word is Himself. So when He says to you, "Come," He meant every word of it. And when you follow Him, when you say, "Come." People will be able to also believe you. She'll be able to believe you because you know that you too should magnify your word above your name. Your, your word becomes trustworthy. People can trust you. If you say, I'm going to do this, you say, oh, Dorothy says she will do this. And they can count on it that it will be done. Because I'm created in the likeness of my father, in his image. And I follow him. So I do as he does. The Bible said that the strength of Israel cannot lie nor relent. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 29. God cannot change His mind once. He has spoken, He has spoken. Hebrews 6:18 says, "It's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible. So when God said He gave you Jesus, and that's the best, and that's that all will solve, whatever it is, believe him. When he says to you, look away from everything and focus on him, Jesus, believe him. If he honors his word that much, then we should love the word of God. We should study the word of God. We should allow the word of God to get into whatever we are doing. We should incorporate his word in our thought life, in our actions, in every activity, in our dealings with whoever it is. In our businesses, in our academics, whatever you're doing, allow his word to garrison, to guide you, to direct you. Like our sister was sharing, he allowed the word of God to change the way she was thinking. We should esteem his word because his word is himself. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, except the Lord builds the house, except the Lord builds your life, except the Lord builds your marriage, your career, your business, whatever it is, he says, they labor in vain. Who build it? Except the Lord keeps the city, the watchman wakes but in vain. Verse 2, in T.P.T. says, it really is senseless to work so hard from early morning till late at night, toiling to make a living for fear of not having enough. God can provide for his lovers even while they sleep. He gives you the power to get what he gives you with one wisdom from him. who will make the deal for you. He can favor you with people. He can radically make people they begin to, they, they, won't, they just wake up one morning, they are thinking about it, they want to do you a favor. They want to give you business. They want to do one thing or the other for you. He gives his beloved, even while they are sleeping. So set your mind on Christ. Not on things that don't really benefit. You give him his, and his word the first place in your life, in your conversations, in your choices. You will never be led astray. If you seek him passionately, you find out that you will not be easily deceived by things that maybe are uh, you know, uh, illusions that you think you actually need, but at the end you find out that that's really not what you need in life. God has everything that you need, packaged, sealed, delivered in Christ Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. When you discountenance him, I, this Ecclesiastes chapter 2, 22 to 24 says, for what has man for all his labor, and for the striving of his heart, with which he has toiled under the sun? For all his days are sorrowful, and his work burdensome, even in the night his heart takes no rest. This, is, this also is vanity. Nothing is better for a man than, than that he should eat and drink, and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. It's God that can make help you to enjoy the hand of your handiwork. You don't want to be toiling all that and you're not able to sleep and that aggravates your health and that shortens your life. You don't want that at all. You want the one that the Yorubas call Owo Tutu. The one that will cool you and give you some peace. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 10 to 13 says, I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. This is what they are supposed to be occupied with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Because he takes Revelation. He takes ardent seeking, not casual seekers. You have to really sit down and cite the scriptures. You have to take time and meditate on the word of God. And then he gives you the wisdom to know how to navigate through life, to know how to manage wealth, even when you receive that. Ecclesiastes chapter 6, 1 to 2 says, There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, and it weighs heavily on men. A man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires. Yet God has not given him the power or capacity to enjoy them. All those things which are gifts from God. But a stranger in whom he has no interest succeeds him and enjoys them. This is vanity and it is a cause of great distress. This is the man of wisdom talking, Solomon. So your, your life is cut short. You're busy pursuing what you don't know, illusion. You don't even have time for your children, for your wife. You don't even take proper care of your health. You die before your time. You didn't have time to even groom your children so that they'll be able to take over from you. And somebody else takes over. Maybe uncle, or you never even, while you were alive, wanted him to be the one that will inherit whatever you have. Because you didn't pursue first God's wisdom. Remember, we say it's the principle and choice thing to do. Because God gives His below. I don't forget one day when we were preparing a home fellowship, and I remember Dr. Happiness was saying that uh, the moment he notices that God, he's not putting God first, he will call. She will call herself back to order, I say, no, 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 no. It has to be God first in her schedules. That's wisdom. That's common sense. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 19 to 20 said also every man to whom God has given riches and possessions he has also given the power and ability to enjoy them and to receive this as his allotted portion and to rejoice in his level this is the gift of God to him. For he will not often consider the troubled days of his life because God keeps him occupied and focused on the joy of his heart and the tranquility of God indwells him. Because this man puts God first. This woman puts God first. And the peace of God that passeth all human understanding garrison his or her heart. And God, he, she, or she draws from God's wisdom with regards to whatever he or she is doing, because he has put God first, put Jesus first in whatever he or she is doing. God told us in First Timothy 6, 16, 6 to nineteen to pursue righteousness and godliness. Now, godliness with contentment is what great gain. is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Did anybody come with any? Did you ever see a child born with wearing suits? I don't think I've ever seen one. It's always naked. And then the, the, the mom or the dad would have been buying clothes, getting ready for the baby. I don't forget one time. One wealthy, one person. I've forgotten who he was. Was lying in state, and people were doing, you know, trying to getting ready for the burial. And one crazy man just came there and said, "Whatever they say to you, keep your mouth shut. Don't say a word." That's mocking humanity. So this man, in his lying in state, was just there, helpless. All that money, whatever it is, where are they? And this man was just there. But you know, there's a lesson in what that person said. That in other words, we should be dead to the world. That's my, what I took from there. You know, you know, as far as this world is concerned, be alive in Christ, but to be dead to the things of the world. Because we've, we're already dead in, you know, that Jesus, we, we died with Christ. We are alive in Christ. Verse eight. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich, those who desire to be rich, fall into temptation and a snare. No more freedom as such. You know, because you want to security. You want to get bodyguards. You want to make sure anybody that comes around, you're, you, want to shake, you want to be sure. You are you apprehensive are of everything. And in too many foolish and harmful laws, that's when greed comes. That's when Uncle, you know, they, they make you chairman of a harvest committee, chairman of these, your fame is all over, people giggle, people want to favor you, they want to gain something from you, and that's when people fall into all manner of perversion, sexual immorality, greed. And that's when people begin to have, you know, know, they begin to disregard their families, their children, their health, unless you are delighting in the Lord and you're drawing from the wisdom of God to help you. Verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, but you, O woman of God, flee these things and pursue what? Righteousness, whatness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. These are the things you should pursue. Pursue you run after to grab it. I don't forget this brother, Nwachuku, when we were at 170. For some weeks, we were not seeing him in the church again. And then finally, one day, I saw him. I said, Nwachuku, we haven't seen you in a while. He said, ah, that he had this job, though he was paying well, but he wasn't having the time for the Bible. He wasn't having time for, for fellowship. And even he was usually very tired. He wasn't even able to give much time to the things of God. And he said he had to quit. And he began to, as at the time I saw him, he hadn't had any any other job. So he began to pray. And finally, God gave him a better job that gave him the opportunity to be able to fellowship because he prioritized God. 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. You have to choose between God and between Jesus and well. That's fighting the good fight of faith because it's so luring, it's so tempting. You want to be like the Joneses. People, you you know, you see the others, you know, driving flash cars and all that. But you don't know how they got it. It is better for you to be rich in the Lord. Rich first in Christ. And he will give you that which is your own. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I remember when they were telling my husband... You carrying the Bible, who is going to train your children? Who will train your children? And some of those people today are calling him asking for help. You cannot discountenance God, He knows the way through the wilderness of life. All you have to do is to simply follow Him. Verse 14, so say, verse 13 still, say, and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate Jesus told Pilate you don't have any power to stop this thing that they are doing unless God gives you you must understand that a man can receive nothing except it was given to him from above 14 that you keep this commandment without spot blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing which he will manifest in his own time, he who is blessed and only potent, the only ruler, hallelujah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, eternal life, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, don't be proud, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. When God gives you, is the type that you will enjoy, is the type that will make you rich. Like the book of Proverbs 10:22 says that the blessings of the Lord that they make rich, they add no sorrow to it because it's coming from the Lord as a blessing. So, God called it uncertain riches. Verse 18, say, Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, because they are listening to God, they are following God's word, and God is directing them on how to deal with those things. In any case, they already understand that whatever they receive is from God. And they want to let, Lord, how will you have me use this? What will you have me do with this? Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. How many beds can you lie on to sleep at a time? How many toilets can you use at a time? And then... You know, when you go to junkyards today, you see things that used to be people's dreams that they were pursuing after, for which they abandoned their health, their families, divorced, and all manner of things. Those things, Solomon called them vanity upon vanity. That's the man of wisdom. He said in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 5, Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle towards heaven. <laughs> I know, I like the way TPT put it. He said, For no sooner do you start counting your wealth than it sprouts wings and flies away like an eagle in the sky. Here today, gone tomorrow. <laughs> I don't forget uh, the story they told about a man that was in Lagos, we had Lagos. This businessman, you know, I think he went on a business trip or whatever, and was in his hotel room kind of trying to count his money, he, that was Naira. And while he was doing that, I guess probably he had a heart attack, he slumped. And the fire was on and scattered the Naira all over the place. So for days, he wasn't coming out, and the day for him to depart was come and they didn't see him, so they had to break open the place and saw this man slum there with the, all the Naira over there. And nobody knew what happened to the Naira, but I guess maybe they found somebody to come and take the man, you know, whoever he belonged to. I have a living witness all around me of people who started, I'm talking about believers, who at a point jettisoned God because things began to flourish for them. And how all of a sudden they lost those things. I have living witness of people that I know personally. Again, as parents, it's important for us to prioritize every child that God has put into your care as a pill of great price. You do your best to help them prioritize God by you yourself prioritizing God before them. Because children learn so much from what they see, what they observe from their parents. Invest spiritual truths in them. Let God and Jesus and the word of God be your priority. They will see that and they will follow your footsteps. I... um, God promised us in in Isaiah 54, 13, that he would train our children for us. But you see, these children are not gonna follow God that they are not familiar with. They have to, first of all, see that God in your life before they can start uh, following him. I don't forget my grandmother, Elizabeth, Okeke. I don't forget, you know, when we would normally visit her and I would have to pass the night. You know, this woman religiously, at the time, we didn't know what was meant by being born again. This woman, at, I guess maybe she would wake up at five because I knew she would wake me up at 5.30 in the morning and then she would ask me to go and shower so they would walk over to the church to do the, they usually hold the morning prayers at six, you know, in the morning. And it was quite some distance. And then we you know we'll walk over there and then we will was just a prayer for thirty minutes and then we will come back and then she will prepare the breakfast and we will eat. And in the night this woman will just her prayer is this. That was her prayer was the prayer she would do before we would go to bed and that made an indelible mark in my life it wasn't a one day affair she didn't know much to say but that kneeling down and when she would kneel down I would kneel down with her and she would put her forehead I hear that statement a lot from Madame Enemore you know Ah, <laughs> time that's, you know, that's you know, anytime she will make that statement, I, that would just remind me of my grandmother. It was a seed she planted without too many words. And my mother, who would uh, you know, wake us up at uh, five, you know, five thirty in the morning, and then her prayer is always Chineken and That's the God before whom all things are possible. And when challenges of life hit me with barrenness, I told God, my mother told me you are the God before whom all things are possible. I said, if all things are possible with you, you are well able, you manufacture this body, you are well able to to, remove whatever was wrong in me and put whatever is supposed to be there so that I will have children. He said Jeremiah 32, 27, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? He did exactly that. Today, we have been blessed with beautiful children. God gave us first four, and now added four again to us. Is it four? Yes, four. We are all together eight now. In my family, all together eight. A woman who was considered barren. But it was that statement, which means the God before whom all things are possible. The things you do before these children, you are planting a seed. Never mind, that seed will germinate, grow, and bear fruit in Jesus' name. When Mama, when uh, mom visited us, and she was in my class for some weeks. By the time I was done with her, I said, Mama, you're going to the adult class. You know so much. Now I understood the foundation of Mwachukwu, how he embraced God, and how committed he is to whatever you have committed into his hands. We are enjoying from Mama Carol today, and look at her beautiful children. Carol is such a blessing. The other time, the brother came and also gave us this dynamite message. It's because somebody from their childhood laid that good foundation. Don't discountenance what you're doing before your children. You are the only one that can help them to know this God and also to prioritize this God. I went out the other Saturday with a documentary on evangelism. Come and see the passion with which this young man was preaching this gospel. I knew the grandfather and the grandmom, how those people were committed to God. And the father and that has spilled over to this young man, even as a medical doctor. You can know. So don't ever discountenance what you're doing, what you're planting in the lives of your children. Those of you that are coming from afar, you're just making a statement to your children. This is important to me. God is important to me. I don't care the distance that I have to cover. He's very important to me. God said to Abraham in Genesis 18:19, For I know him, I have known him, that he commanded his children and his house after him, and they have kept the way of Jehovah, to do righteousness and judgment, that Jehovah may bring on Abraham that which he had spoken concerning him. God has beautiful promises for us and for our children, but we have to allow our children by prioritizing God and modeling to them who God is. David said to his son, Solomon, as for you, Solomon, my son, Know the God of your father. Have personal knowledge of him. Be acquainted with him and understand him. Appreciate, heed and cherish him and serve him with a blameless heart and a willing mind. And was A willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and minds and understands every intent and inclination of the thoughts. If you seek him, inquiring for and of him and requiring him as what? Your first and vital necessity. Your first and vital necessity. He will let you find him. But if you abandon, turn away from him, he will reject you forever. That will not be our portion in Jesus' name. But the primary thing is here is that he was telling his son, Solomon, To prioritize God willingly prioritize God the Bible said we should also correct them when they are wrong our children you know Proverbs 29 verse 15 says the rod and reproof give wisdom but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame correct thy son and he will give you rest yes he shall give the light unto thy soul. You teach them when they are wrong. You correct them. It's all part of showing them, modeling to them what the ways of God. Without a conscience towards God, they are left on their own, and they will just be a mess. So, but when you start early guiding them and prioritizing God before them, they will be. They will turn out so good. He said in Proverbs 23:24, when a father observes his child living in godliness, he is aesthetic with joy. Nothing makes him prouder. You can imagine how proud the father is that you're here today and that you're pursuing him first, but make sure in every aspect of your life you keep putting him first. David learned a lesson. Uh, from uh, the the issue about his son you know Absalom and Adonijah in uh, 1 first kings 1 5 and 6 then Adonijah the son of David's wife Haggai exalted himself saying I the oldest living son will be king so following Absalom's example he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him his father David had never rebuked him at any time by asking, why have you done this? So that's why it's important. As you're modeling to them, once they are going wrong, because never remember that they will go out, they will go to school, they will come back, you keep on guiding them. But let your body language communicate love, but at the same time communicate to them that you hate the action. And it's important that when you are correcting them, give them... Punishment that is really that is, uh, appropriate. Not out of uh, anger. But something that will help them to know that you mean well. That this thing that they have done is something that can give the devil a foothold in their life. That you, you want something better for them. Even as God also wants something better for us. Because you know, when you treat them so harshly, you can harm them and you can crush their spirit. The reason I'm saying this is because sometimes you notice a child, it starts being in seclusion. That child might be hurting. It could be maybe the way you treated the child or it could be maybe you know, uh, this, what people might have said or done to that child. That child is hurting and it's important you draw that child close to you and love that children back to wholeness. I don't forget uh, when I was much younger and then uh, I did something for which, uh, you know, the leader of our prayer house at the time gave me a terrible, you know, flogging, you know, because, you know, my, I lost my father when I was five years old and then we got into this prayer house And then, uh, you know, this man that was the leader, because I, I, you know, my mother would usually buy something and I would have to take it to this man and then uh, to his house. And then I didn't know because people, I planted a corn and some people will bring their goats and they will mess up the, the leaves. So because of that, I went and took a feather, a chicken feather, and I rubbed oil on it and I put it there. So when the man saw it, he asked my mom, who did this? And the man said, my mom said I was the one. So my mom said he wanted me to come to his house in the night afterwards. So when I went there, see this bundle of uh, sticks of um, you know, castor oil, you know, you know, you know it's rough. I didn't believe what was going to happen to me. So the man said, who did that? I said, I was the one. He said, why did you do that? I explained to him why I did that. He didn't tell me why I shouldn't, I didn't need to have done that. This man said he was going to flock 24 here, 24 here, 24 at my legs, 24 all over my body. By the time that man was done with me, I had the scars of it still on my body. I hated this man so passionately. And I felt my mother hated me. That's what any of us can be that angry. And then you treat your child in that kind of way that will make the child to start hating and hating God. It's important that, you know, I began to live a secluded life and it carried me for so many years. It was just recently that I was delivered from that. Unless God helps you, be mindful of the way you correct your children. You are the Jesus and you are the God that they are seeing. Draw your child close to you, correct them in love, let them know that God is loving and caring, But at the same time, let them know what they did that is wrong. God loves you and he wants the best for you. Prioritize him in your life. Prioritize Jesus, prioritize the word of God. And I bet you, your life will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Our father, we are so thankful. You are the interpreter of your word. I leave your word with you, with your children. And as many as will listen later on, your word will do only that which you alone knows to do best. We give you the praise and we thank you for answered prayers. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen.